when we create community around this concept of how can we create this this life of our dreams? How can we create a world of our dreams? You need to surround yourself with other people who are willing to make those choices alongside you, who are willing to say, I actually don't want to sit around all day and complain about the weather. I don't want to talk about what the latest restrictions are, you know, sanctioned by the government. I don't want to spend my time talking and, you know, worrying about that. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 242 of the Anthropology Podcast. I am your host, Megan Walker, and today we're talking about one of my most favorite things to discuss, how to be an audacious woman. And this is a topic that I just think is kind of fun to roll around in. And one of the pieces that I've really noticed distinguishes the entrepreneurs that I'm like, wow, they're just killing it. And the ones who are like, I've been trying everything is a willingness to hang out in the space of audacity, the willingness to step outside the norm, the box, the way that it's always been done. And my guest today, Hannah Ross, is a woman who I deeply respect for her audacity, for her risk-taking, but also for her level-headedness. And we agreed in this podcast that level-headedness and experience really comes from trying new things, willing to put yourself out there, willing to do it over and over again, willing to be uncomfortable. We unpack it all. It's a really exciting episode of the podcast today. I'm super excited for you to get to know Hannah Ross. Hannah Ross, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, we have we have a lot to unpack. And one of the things that I'm just going to note for everyone, I know it's normally quiet in the background when we record podcasts, but it is, this isn't even artificially created for <laughs> us today. It's like genuinely quiet for the first time in months in our respective, uh, respective homes. Hannah is an incredibly accomplished entrepreneur and physiotherapist and pelvic floor physio and podcaster, mother of four. I've got three at home and it's honestly, it's like a miracle that one is not coming through the door, although we're not done yet. And so we're going to unpack that today. We are going to unpack the stories of uh, Hannah's new podcast. We're going to be talking about what it takes to be an audacious woman, even what that means. But before we do that, Hannah, I'm wondering, can you just take us through your story a little bit? Give us some context in terms of who you are, why this is something you're so passionate about at this point in your career. I'll tell you everything. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Um, My name is Hannah Ross. I'm the owner of Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness, which is in Midtown Toronto. It's a pelvic health clinic. And uh, this all really began with my own pelvic health journey. 
I was having a lot of pain. I was, I have four children, but in between baby number two and number three, um, I was, I was really not feeling myself. I was feeling like my body was failing me. I went to my GP and she sent me uh, to get some testing, told me everything was normal and sent me on my way. Um, A friend of mine was getting training as a pelvic floor physio. When pelvic physios are the gynecologists of physiotherapists, they assess you internally. And the idea of um, going to a pelvic floor physio to me was like, totally off the beaten path. Like that was very much out of my comfort zone. I did not want to go see her, but I was in a lot of pain. And I went to see her and she legitimately changed my life. Um, It wasn't half as crazy as I thought it was going to be. Um, And I realized that this area of practice was an area that Um, I was passionate about. I was seeing so many women and people around me who were flailing. And I wanted to do that um, for for my community. Um, I went on to have two more children. And I slowly, I started with a, a massage table. And I started my practice by going to people's homes and carrying my massage table upstairs and downstairs. And, uh, you know, I, I would had a lot of road rage because I was like, would quickly try to get from one point to another. Healthy. It was. It was. It was. That is the height of my health. Um, and, and things just grew. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because... Uh, you know, this thing that I was so embarrassed about and to, you know, to go see my friend for, turns out there's a lot of people not talking about these significant impairments that they're having, and they're sitting and believing that there's just something wrong with them. Um, And this grew to a whole clinic. And I just started to see, um, like, I was getting the same story over and over and over again, where someone would come in and they'd be totally embarrassed, either, you know, they would come in prenatally or postpartum or in and around menopause. And all of a sudden, they were having these symptoms, they were leaking urine, they were, they had like, uncontrollable gas, they were having pain with sex, they, you know, they felt like their, their abs would never rehab, how come everybody else down the street was bouncing back and their body, there was something wrong with them. And it just really became very clear that when they were coming to see me for their physical, um, their physical impairments, we'll call it, or their perceived physical impairments, it, it was really, there was so much more happening internally. It, it was, it, the external was an area that they could control because there were so many other things that felt out of control. Um, and so in terms of pelvic health, like the, the idea of a pelvic floor physio now, everybody's like, oh, my girlfriend went there, my best friend went there, my sister, my aunt. People, it's, it's not so out of the box anymore. But in order, I, it became very clear to me that in order to live a life where we're thriving and not just surviving, we have to make a number of outside the box decisions along the way. And, um, and I, I always say like, you have to have the audacity to make, to make out of the box choices and understand that that's going to be messy. And it's not going to be what your sisters, your best friends are doing. But if we want to live the life of our dreams, we need to take, make choices that not everybody else is making. And so that brings me here. 
bring it brings me here. So it's interesting as even before you just sort of ended on that piece, I wrote down uncomfortable choices. And I find there's this, there's, so there's us and we make uncomfortable choices all the, all the time, I feel like. And then there's the whole world. We've just come through an uncomfortable uh, period. But I also feel like there's a little bit of a culture around, oh, don't ever make uncomfortable choices. It should Mm -hmm. never be, it should never be hard. You should never feel stressed. You should never feel sad. Like, and if you're feeling those things, we'll just like, we'll just cover those up as soon as possible you know, you're outside your comfort zone. We wouldn't want that. Like, I'm, I'm really aware of like, you know, you have some people out there talking about, we have to step outside our comfort zone and grow. And then we have other people are like, stop pushing yourself outside. The, and I'm, and I'm just, I just want to unpack that a little bit around this idea of uncomfortable choices. When, how do we know when it's, it's the right time to make an uncomfortable choice versus, you know what? I don't, I don't think I need that right now. I don't need to think I push, need to push through. How do you manage that in your own life? I think that the the reality of making uncomfortable choices or making choices that are hard is you actually don't know if it's the right time or not. And the results tell you. Um, I think that there's this big, you know, when we look at, we look at women that we admire, we look at people in the world that we admire, we think they have it all together. And the truth is that, they're just trying stuff. There's nobody, there's no recipe. There's just, um, there's choices along the way. And, you know, there's that quote, you either, you you either win or you, or you learn and you have to be willing to learn. I, I'm, I call myself a recovering perfectionist, uh, because it is very hard. Like it's, it's, it's embarrassing if you, you know, you run a, I run a business and I tell my team we're going to do something and it's the wrong choice. Like, yeah, you have to you have to be able to live with the the real reality that you're going to you're going to make the wrong choices and yeah, it might be a little bit embarrassing, but you wouldn't have known what to do had you not made that choice and learned what the right choice is. Um and and I, there has to be a willing it doesn't have to be, but if you'd like to live take this life that we have and choose yeah. choose to live something that's you know, amazing you can't just keep making the same decisions that you were making yesterday. Totally. It's funny. As you were talking about that, I was like, oh, you have to, almost have to practice being uncomfortable. Yeah. And the more you practice it, you're like, oh, that uncomfortable feeling was because this was a really stupid decision. Whereas like that uncomfortable feeling is because I'm taking myself outside my comfort zone. It's like mm. the first day your baby cries. You're like, oh my gosh, it's a lot of crying. And then you're like, wait a second. That's the poo cry. That's the hungry <laughs> cry. That's the like yeah. gas cry. You you just know, like you just have to be. You have to you practice have to it to it. learn what. Oh my my gut is feeling like this right now because I can feel that that's not right for me. Or my gut is feeling like this because I'm scared. And the last time I was scared, and I did something, and I was super successful. And so I know this feeling, so I'm going to persevere. Like you don't know until you learn. Right. Are you a good decision maker? <laughs> I would say my I, my husband and I, we always say when people sit around and they call us and they're like, so we're thinking about doing this, this, and this. Like we're just, if we think about it and we're like, all right, let's try it. We just try. And we don't do, we don't do the list. And sometimes we look back and we're like, huh, should not have done that. Maybe we should have made a list for that. But... <laughs> I'm so a are quick you like decision a gu- maker. 
You are good. And you're, are you a gut check decision maker? You're just like, yeah, I'm just like, my gut says go and I go or like, what informs that? Did you have to practice that? I'm, I'm actually really fascinated in people's capacity to make decisions. I think it's actually, you, you called yourself an accidental entrepreneur, but I actually think decisiveness is a Mm. symptom of strong entrepreneur. So I'm, I'm actually just really curious whether this was always there. So we have, like, I have a rule. It's either a hell yes, or it's a no. So if I have to sit and think about it, it's not right for me right now. If it's a hell yes, I'll go for it. Um, if, if it's something that I'm like, I could, I should, maybe I'll write it down on my list and, you know, maybe, maybe it'll become a hell yes over time, but I've got four kids. I've got two businesses. I don't have, I don't really have within my bandwidth the time to sit and rationalize or, you know, think through all of the, uh, all the theoretical possibilities. If it's a yes, it's a yes right now. I really like that. It's interesting because I find, so there's decisiveness, but I feel like what informs decisiveness is this idea of self-authorization, meaning you've given yourself the authority to make decisions. And so when people are indecisive, I'm always like, okay, is it, is this a learned behavior is, you know, whatever. I'm really curious in it, but the place I always go first is can they self-authorize or can they not self-authorize? And so, th- you know, that's the next piece I'm really interested in, in for you. Cause I know you can self-authorize. Um, where did that come from? Like, did you learn that in your family? Are you teaching that to your kids? Have you ever like thought about this idea before? I haven't actually thought about it. Um, the way that you're articulating it. I'm, I'm an eldest of four also. So I was in charge of other kids. Like, you know, like I sort of when you I had, literally handed that authority. Yeah. <laughs> when I had my fourth, they, my my kids, my eldest and my youngest are ten years apart. I was I arrived home with a baby and I said to my ten year old daughter, "Here's your child." No, I didn't really do that, but basically <laughs> but did kind that. Of. <laughs> um, but this does also speak to the idea of like having having audacity, like not looking and asking what is everybody else doing around me but maybe it's looking at what is somebody who i want to emulate what what are the choices that they make um what is like what does hana 10 years from now what what are the things that she that she's doing like what is my own like inner mentor do um and who is that person and in given this framework what were the what would be the choices that they make not like scared hana right now who's you know worried that she's going to hurt her friend's feelings by saying no to going out for dinner because she wants to work out tomorrow morning, you know? Um, I, that's sort of where I think that comes from. I like this idea of the inner mentor. I think that's so, I think that's amazing. What, when you talk about your podcast, she has the audacity. What, what is considered audacious behavior to you? Like what, what are we actually talking about? It can be as simple as, um, you know, choosing not to have kids when everybody's having kids around you. It can be running for president. I, I think that uh, that audacity is a very personal, you know, it's very relative. But the idea is that, you know, we actually are surrounded and in your community also, Megan, like we're surrounded by an incredible group of humans who are doing really amazing things in their lives. And I really think that what's what's special about them is that 
they are making choices that other people aren't willing to make. And they don't have to be hard ones. Like it doesn't have to be, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm giving up gluten and dairy. What? Yes, I said that. I love that. Um, That's the hardest thing. The hardest <laughs> thing you can do in your life, people, is give up gluten and marathons. No problem. Gluten and dairy. But, you know, like the women who are giving up Netflix at night because they want to work on their side hustle. Um, the ones who are saying, um, I don't give into this idea that that I have to show up perfectly every single day um, on camera and have my kids matching and their hairbrush, like being willing to make choices that might make them, you know, appear to not have it together, but that are allowing them to, to move forward the life of their dreams, like choosing on their own terms is what really makes somebody audacious in my mind. If men choose to live life on their own terms, are they being audacious? I, like, I would say so. I would say yes to that. But I will also say that that's far more common. I, I think that one of the biggest challenges or hurdles for for the women that I interact with is that it's not normalized. And so yeah. when we when we create community um, around this concept of how can we create this this life of our dreams? How can we create a world of our dreams? You need to surround yourself with other people who are willing to make those choices alongside you, who are willing to say, I actually don't want to sit around all day and complain about the weather. I don't want to talk about what the latest restrictions are, you know, sanctioned by the government. I don't want to spend my time talking and, you know, worrying about that. I want to say, I can still, I can still take steps forward, but you have to surround yourself with people who are going to do that in order to be successful. Um, and so community, you know, my podcast is, it, it's a audio community, but I, I want, I want other entrepreneurs, other women, you know, you're, you're other leaders to be exposed to other people who in their own right are choosing the life of their dreams. Cause it gives you permission to yeah. do the same. Right. Like that permission piece is so interesting that like the human brain is conditioned to like wait for these gates to go up. And I think that gets used against us very yeah. frequently all the time. So, you know, I love this idea because this is a place where you can go where like, I feel like you're just going to get permission every day. You want to mm -hmm. do this? Here you go. Like, listen to this episode. You want to do that? Like, listen to this episode. And in an era where I, I feel like shoulds are like these emotional barriers across the road. And we have this all the time as women. I should, I should have dinner on the table and we have to have all these components of it. I should make sure this is done for my husband. I should like, we have, we have this intergenerational should trauma yeah. that we can't like. And it's also break the it. concept of, you know, an ideal mother is a martyr right? An ideal, an ideal, um, you know, feminist woman works like she has no children. And, and, you know, is like a homemaker, like she doesn't work. Why does it have to be the case? Why do we talk about that and rant about that? Why don't we just choose something different? Why don't we surround ourselves with people who are actually saying, I, I actually don't want to be a martyr for my, for my family. And I want my kids to grow up seeing a mother who isn't falling on her face all the time and isn't, you know, talking about how tired she is and how resentful she is. I, I'd like for I'd like for us to offer up a different 
lens for our kids. Who are your audacious role models? Oh my goodness, so many. I, I'm. <laughs> I actually just finished reading Brene Brown's uh, "Braving the Wilderness," and I was like, "Oh, Brene, let's be friends." Uh, <laughs> 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 but I, I actually look to like, um, you know, some someone like the Golda Meir. My is a is is was the first prime minister um, of Israel. My, my, my family lives there. And I, to me, I'm like, she was so, you know, ahead of her time. Margaret Thatcher, like there's just so many women and they were blips. And then we don't hear about that, you know, and then nothing happens again, but we know it's possible. But I think that, you know, at those times, those women were like, they were so ahead of their time and they were willing to give up so much and people were not willing to give up that much at that time. Other, the other people who followed them. Um, and now I think we've got the support. We've got the capacity. We have, we have the ability to make those choices. Now, I certainly don't want to be a prime minister or, uh, uh, you know, but you'd be I, great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my the people who worked with me, their hair wouldn't be brushed because none of my kids' hair <laughs> brushed. But aside from that, like, do people like actually brush their kids' hair? Because I'm like, you don't brush it. My my eldest, she had like cute hairdos every day when she was little. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, I'm like, this is a skill that you need to learn, kids. So this is me <laughs> ensuring that you learn it. Um. Yeah, I think that these, I think that now is a time when if we're giving the tools to women, we are truly capable of anything, um, but we can't do everything at the same time. And I think that up to this point, we thought that that meant we had to do everything. It's such a great point. I've been going through this exercise on myself lately. I'm like, what, where do I feel the most overwhelmed? Like, where does it come crashing down on me? And what new decision do I need to make to resolve that? Because for me, it's not like I don't feel good when I have suddenly accomplished all the things because it usually happens at the expense of who I want to be when I'm doing those things. Like my kids will be at the dinner table and they're like, you are not happy. Like we have code words for when I'm really grumpy. And like, there was just Can code words code going words? off. Like, right, they're like, uh, code blue with mom. But partly I was like, okay, you know, and so one of the things I'm exploring is like, how do I not cook dinner Monday to Friday? Yeah. Because this is a huge boiling point. Like, It I doesn't mean that you can't cook. I love it to just cook, means but currently hate choo- cooking. Not, yes. You choose not to. Well, and but also, that's audacious. Because I know you have to, I know I have all these like, Oh, it's so privileged of you. And it's so, it's so, yeah. I don't even have the words. It's cause it's just like, I, sh- I so should be able audacious. to do this. I should be able to make all of these things work. What's wrong with me that I can't do that. Like that. Well, first of all, I don't have a microwave. So like in all fairness to me, I don't have the tool that expedites the dinner, but notwithstanding that piece, you're totally <laughs> right. Like I, I I can't, I just, I'm not choosing to stop work at 3.45 every day to have dinner on the table for five, which right. is when the blood sugar crashes for the majority of my kids, because it means I'll have to work on Saturday or I'll have to give it my business, which right. supports our lifestyle. Like I, when I look at the ecosystem of things that I can do, I love to cook, but I can do that Saturday night and I can have someone help me Monday to Friday. So that 
we just we get we we get to make choices, but that's in our own still a that hard choice, right? And and again, it, be, it doesn't yes. have to be like this this big audacious thing where like I'm going to run for president. Hiring somebody or or getting help with cooking is a hard choice to make when you think you're supposed to be doing fulfilling that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it totally is. I don't mean to go, I, I feel like I've had like multiple podcast episodes where I discuss my need for someone to help me cook my food, but also just normalizing <laughs> this for everyone. Like that was my, that was my breaking point. And I think the truth is we all have breaking points yeah. when we're, when we're putting all these pieces out into the world and you, you also get to choose what you're going to do about it. Like you can only complain right. about it for so long before it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Because the narrative gets exhausting at the same right. time. And the real, the reality is sitting in that shame and that guilt is also a choice. Yeah. Because we can choose to not, I can say, I don't want to feel guilty about this. I would like to, to feel so, you know, happy that I have the capacity to get somebody else to do it for me. Totally. Thanks, Hana. Thanks for giving me permission to, uh, you know, granted it's granted. Mm -hmm. What are some of the audacious decisions you've made in your life? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say that choosing, even choosing to work full time was an audacious decision for me. You know, I really, I went to school to be a physio because I figured it would be a great way to have a balanced life. And the, that word balance would be in quotations, right? I could work three days a week and and be with my kids the other time and running, you know, shopping for my kids and doing all this stuff. Um, and it turns out, I really, really, really love what I do. And I don't want it to be a part-time um, work for somebody else. I don't like working for somebody else. I like making those choices for myself. I left, I was working three separate jobs when I uh, started my own practice and I slowly gave them up. It never occurred to me that I would run my own, um, my own practice, let alone be the leader of this, massive team. Um, I, for me, I, I just recently launched my own personal brand and that was a really hard decision for me because I love promoting my team and I love promoting my clinic and promoting myself was something that felt really uncomfortable and still feels very uncomfortable. But if, if we're not going to put ourselves out there, we can't help people. And that's the truth. Nobody knows that you exist and that you can help people. There's no one there for you to help. And so um, making those choices were, were, were kind of icky, but they worked out so beautifully. And I'm so happy that I did. And it gets easier to make those choices only because you can look back and say, the last time I, you know, I, I quit three separate jobs to launch Vital. And the first one was so hard. And then the second one was still hard. But the third one was like, oh, okay, I know where this is going. I see it's moving forward. It was much easier to do. It's like giving birth. <laughs> Almost. Ish. So close. So Ish. close. <laughs> I, I really, I really think that's, that's super valuable insight around what the evolution of, of making those choices looks like. And there is a certain wisdom that has come from uh, just getting older I have found mm. too, because the more choices you make back, you know, back to what we were talking about before, the more confident you are in making those, those, those choices, the less you care about other people's opinions. Cause you're like, 
my opinion is an experienced opinion. Mm -hmm. I've been making choices on my behalf for years and I, I yes. like where I'm sitting right now. And there it's, it's not arrogant to think that way. It's just trust. It's just experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When did you realize you could trust yourself? Oh, well, this is a real, I think it's still an evolution. I think in every new arena of life, we have to learn that self-trust. Um, you know, one thing that I'm really working through and learning right now is that, you know, when we grow up, our parents are the, they're sort of people that give us permission. Then you go to school and your teachers are the ones who give you permission. And then you go to university and your professors are the ones who give you permission. And then you start off in your profession and your mentors are the ones who give you permission. And it gets to a point where you look around and you say, who, like, who am I now? And what, who, why do I keep looking for every, to everybody else for permission. And at a certain point, you look around and say, people are asking me for permission. So now I have to trust myself. It was almost, it was really, I think it was just evolved over time. Um, and it, it gets to a point where you, you really say like, this is, I don't actually want to live a life that that person's living. And, you know, like my parents, I love them, but I, my life looks very different. And at a certain point you say, who do I want to be? And then you have to make decisions based on who you want to be. But it's sometimes based on who you don't want to be first. And then it evolves. So who, like, if you were speaking to someone, if you were the mentor to someone tinkering with audacious ideas, and I don't think we can define audacity for any given person, mm -mm. because it's simply on their own terms, besides just do it. My dad used to say it to me, he's like, oh, just do it. I'm like, this is with complete disregard for the psychology that's right. holding me back. Right. What would you tell them? Start small. I think like, you know, when I had a conversation with a client yesterday uh, who's postpartum and is having, you know, a, we're, we're, we're managing a whole bunch of different symptoms and she's had other kids home, like her kids home for a really long time. She just didn't have capacity to even do her homework. And she came in, she's like, I haven't done any of my, ho any of my homework. I really want to start an exercise regimen too, by the way. And I was like, okay, so if you're, if you want to, you know, there's different steps to goals. If you're going to start with the big goal, you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Start with the first, like the low hanging fruit, start with the easiest, most attainable goal, experience a success, build that confidence, and then take the next step. You, it really comes down to like what, yes, we're going to have this big, like, I'm going to take over the world goal. We're going to, you know, women are going to take over the world, but that probably also has to start with me choosing um, to drink a little bit more water every day. It's such great advice, equally applicable to entrepreneurs, to the new moms, to like, to anyone who's managing life at the border of safety, audacity, yeah. something new outside the comfort zone. You are always so full of wisdom, Hannah. And I want to make sure that we cap, I want, I want to make sure that we get these pieces in. So I want to transition the interview to a section I call our KPIs or key performance indicators. So just like we have them in our business, I believe we have them in our life as well. So I've got some questions for you. Let's do it. What is your most recommended talked about, like can't stop thinking about book or idea? of 2021? Oh, 
I, I just finished reading, I mentioned it earlier, Braving the Wilderness, and I, 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 I need to read it again. It really, she talked, Brene Brown talks about how when you choose to not, you know, stick with the, like the paradigm that has been, we've been instructed to stick with, you go out into the, bring yourself into the wilderness, and there's actually a whole community of people there waiting for you. It's the step between um, making that choice and getting to the wilderness. That's the hard part. I, I can't recommend it enough. It was awesome. I do love that idea because I feel like people are like, this is, I've seen this. This is the way it's always been done. And we forget that like you step into the forest. It's like the forest people. I, I think that's such a great, or animals or whoever you want to convene with when you cross the, hey, it's a podcast about audacity, whatever, whatever you want. What's your favorite health hack? It's going to be breathing. I like, it's the thing that we Says talk the about pelvic floor all video. the time. Yeah. I, you know, I find that most people are breath holding. I think that we are really in this, like, we're in this go, go, go state, taking the time to just sit and take five to 10 gentle breaths is, it's such an amazing health hack and really is beneficial for your pelvic floor too. So there you go. It's one of those things like drinking water that you're like, yeah, but like what else? What else? Like, I'm a know. terrible breather. Like I did this whole breathwork thing a few weeks ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was life changing. Like who knew we don't know how to breathe? I would feel so amazing just by taking an air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How would you define your purpose? I think it's evolving. Um, I, like I, I really, my, my purpose here in my mind is to, um, bring more love to every arena that I'm in. Um, but I'd like for those arenas to get bigger and bigger. Last question for you, Hannah, entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's whether or not you have the audacity to make those choices. It's like you've heard me ask this question before. (laughs) Hannah Ross, it's always so much fun hanging out with you. Where can we send people to learn more about your podcast, your work, your like adventures on a day-to-day basis? You can go to hannahross.com and that's spelled C-H-A-N-A. ROSS.com, or you can follow me on Instagram, HanarasPT. Amazing. Hannah, thanks for being here. Thanks, Meg. Thanks for having me. Oh, I just love Hannah. She's one of those women who can just figure out anything. She's completely real, but also progressive. She's just amazing. And she kind of, you know, as she was speaking, it reminded me of this idea. And this is really around confidence. And it's funny because I feel like this notion of audacity, one of the things I feel like we exclude ourselves with is we go, oh, well, audacity is for confident women. And it really made me think of this idea of confidence. And I talk about this with my girls all the time, that confidence is not something you are given. It is not genetic. Some people have it. Some people don't. It's not true. Confidence is always something that is earned. And I know for so many people, they're like, when I'm confident, I'll do this. Once I get confidence, I'll do this. Once I get confidence, I'll do this. Once I'm in my 40s, I will be confident. Not not really. The thing about confidence is that confidence is a byproduct of 
two additional steps. The first step is the decision. It's a decision to be courageous. The second step is as a result of that courageous decision, as a result of stepping into the ring, as Brene Brown would say, as a result of saying, I'm going to courageously look into fill in the blank. I'm going to develop competence and competence. My friends is like this boring little word that we never really think to aspire to, but it's in fact competence around a particular subject matter that actually gives us that confidence. We wake up one day and realize we have it. We wake up one day and realize we walk a little bit differently. And I wanted to throw that in there because Hannah and I talked about so many things, but what I didn't want anyone to do was exclude themselves from the club of women who are audacious because they're waiting for confidence to arrive in the mail. It is something that you earn and it starts with being courageous and courageous action is simply a choice. So I will leave you with that as we sign off today. I would love to hear more about the courageous choices that you have made in your life for having that conversation over on Instagram. You can find me at Dr. Megan Walker. You want to reference anything that Hannah and I talked about today, you can head over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. And as always, I'm Megan Walker wishing you an impactful week ahead. We'll see you again next week. 